You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Anna. Your table is ready. It's long and This is a capital. We have a little problem with our infancy. So we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 91 of our listener feedback show, Sci-Fi Diner Conversations. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And I'm M. Sierra Garcia. Hello. And we have a special guest with us. Go ahead, introduce yourself. Hi, guys. This is uh, Raul Wybera. Yes, and you he's not totally an alien presence to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Nope. Yep, he's been a part of our... Uh, we done we've done recordings in the past so we brought him on tonight miles is not with us he decided that real world jobs are more important than the diner and uh i know i know what's up with that who cares about his big boy job i was on my big girl job and i still recorded thank you very much (laughs) that's right me this is my escape from the (laughs) yeah escape from the apocalypse (laughs) is happening out there right now all right well how's everyone doing tonight i'm doing great Yeah, great now that you're here. Like, we will not talk about the real world. Yep. Well, um, as we often do, let's talk a little bit about what we're reading, what we're kind of watching here. And we're going to kind of skim over maybe the TV shows, mention them, because we'll be talking about them later on, because there's a lot of new stuff that has just come down the pike, so much so that... Um, unless you're Kevin Batchelder from um, the the tuning into Sci-Fi TV, you can't watch it all. But um, how about you? What do you? What are some of the shows? Some of the things you've been doing in the world of sci-fi these past uh, couple weeks? Um, I'm getting ready for New York Comic Con. Yay! Yes. That's if I can find a place to stay. Right. Um, all you New Yorkers because, out there, give us yeah. contact us if you know of a place that M can stay. Because so. the person I rented the condo from three months ago, decided to be a giant D-bag and cancel. Um, so I'm a little bitter and I'm scrambling, but things will get, I'm, I have faith. My press pass came in the mail yesterday. I saw the um, picture. And I've, I've, been, <laughs> I've been consuming Lost Girl. There's a really big, there's an opportunity to meet the cast and I've been wanting to watch the show. So this past weekend, um, while searching feverishly for a place to stay, um, I was, I, I pretty much consumed and just loved the first season and now I'm halfway through the second season. Wow. All in one weekend. Yeah. How many, watched, how many episodes I, are in a season? There's like 12, okay. but I have. I like I'll put it on the iPad and I have this do flutch that put that kind of hangs the iPad to the side of my iMac. So I watch it peripherally. And then if something catches my eye, I just rewind. Okay. I multitask. You do. You do. You do <laughs> How indeed. about you? Well, I made, I we, we have some new shows out. I watched uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We can talk about Yay. that a little bit later on. Yay. Um, 
Um, still watching Bones. I know it's not really sci-fi related, though Angel's in it. Um, and, <laughs> and, um, and other than that, uh, watched The Blacklist. And I think that The Blacklist almost has to be one of my, maybe one of my favorite new shows this mm. season. Maybe. You know, I'm asking, does Blacklist really fall in the sci-fi category or is it different? I don't, I've been hearing... <sighs> I got to watch it. I've got to watch it, but I haven't been able to find much out about it. It's not the closest it's going to be is kind of spy fi. It's it's not if that's even a category, right? It's not it's not there's nothing really science fiction about it. All right. Except that James Spader's in it. And he was like, I don't know, the guy in Stargate. Right. That's like only connection. Like, but (laughs) I enjoyed it and it's not sci fi, but I might I just might be hooked in it in it. So that's what I've been watching. And I've also then been reading. I did watch, okay, this is, again, not sci-fi, but I watched Olympus Has Fallen. What was that? You know, it was a bit gruesome at parts. Um, Tons of action and explosions and and shoot them up. And uh, come on, Morgan Freeman was in it for like all of five seconds. No, it it was good. I, I really did enjoy it. Um, I'm glad I did not see it in theaters. You know, uh, Roll, did you see that movie? No, I have not seen that one yet. Yeah, I, I, I it's one. It's one that is worth the rental. All right, um, but certainly wasn't worth. Uh, certainly wouldn't have been worth it if I saw it in theaters. There's other movies that would rank higher for me, but. Um, and then a reading list. I, I finished the, Mar- the, the Machine Crus- Crus- Crusade, if I can speak here tonight, which is the second book chronologically in the Dune franchise. Uh, Kevin J. Anderson and was it Brian Herbert put that book out. And these books have a way of laying a fat, like the first one fourth, you're kind of wallowing through saying, okay, when's the story going to get going? And then by the end, it's one of those things like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't believe it just ended. So it's one of those books. And that's the way I feel, too, about the Wheel of Time series, uh, both which Roe and I are going to dialogue about here in a little bit. But I'm in the middle. I began, just began The Dragon Reborn and um, probably about a third of the way through that. And so really enjoying that series as well. But um, Raul, we, we dialogued real briefly online about this. Um, did, you, did you read these two series? Uh, the well, the Dune series. If you if you want to go into purism, uh, I've read the original Herbert books, uh, Her- through Heretics and Chapter House. At points, I kind of wished he would have ended it at God Emperor, but that's actually I'd I'd like to almost hold that until we get into some of the discussion on that because I've got I've got questions for you on Dune, and a lot of it is do I want to go ahead and finish reading this? Because my reading list has been empty for the last two or three months. I've just hadn't had a stitch of free time to read. Mm. Uh, Wheel of Time. (sighs) I read Eye of the World. And I mean, I I bought this new paperback back in the 90. It rocked. It was like, oh my gosh, this is something that, that I've been waiting for. We we have where has the where has the great epic science fiction been? Originally, 
Well, I think I'm going to I'm going to jump ahead. I started the series and I eventually abandoned it. I'll leave it there for now. Okay. All right. You know, there is a sense where um I want to say that there's at least in the first two books, it felt like they followed a very similar pattern. Yes. And that's a that's the best way I could say it. And that didn't disturb me. I still really enjoyed the story. And I'm not I'm not far enough into the Dragon Reborn to really comment whether that continues the cycle. Um but you do and at least at least in the Dragon Reborn you're following some different characters than you are. At least at least he seems to branch out then then more I guess the group's kind and of split up. More, and it gets more it gets more dense uh more plot elements and things fall in, though it still kind of comes back to, I, I think, a lot of Rand whining, whining. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If, if you follow me. And oh, I've yes. got to be careful because I, I really can't get, I, I don't want to get too spoilery. Right, right. If you're going to, if, if you're going to whine about whining, you got to do it in class like Thomas Covenant did. Right. Um, yeah. Well, you know, books get progressively longer. Yeah, you know, I have about half the series sitting on my shelf, but I'm actually not reading them in paperback. I'm listening to them um, because I'm doing this—I don't know—this crazy marathon the end of October in DC. Uh, which, by the way, they emailed me and said still going to go on despite the government shutdown. Yep. Um, <laughs> well, because it's, I think it's it's financed differently. It is financed differently, and it's. Um, it's a staple. I mean, it has to happen, and it will happen, despite the disparaging duplicitousness of the D-heads and <laughs> Congress. Right, right. Um, and um, Not that I have an opinion. Sorry. No, 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 not at all. Um, but so this has been my companion. Like when I go out for like a two-hour run or a three-hour run, I just, you know, I'm I'm working my way through audiobooks. And, you know, three hours into a Robert Jordan book, well, that puts a significant dent in it. So... Now, are you listening to unabridged or abridged? Oh no, absolutely! It's it's unabridged. Yeah, that that'll be an impression. So that, that's that, actually it's like they're anywhere yeah. from thirty to forty hours long. Yeah, yeah, that that'll definitely get you at least the later books. Yeah, it'll definitely get you through the marathon. Well, you know what? I, I you know what? I I read through all of George R. R. Martin's books. <laughs> the um, the uh, whatever that is, Game of Thrones series, right? Um, all five of those, and you know, they're just insanely long, too. So, I don't know, I need to pay, I think I just need to pick shorter series and then I'd be good. <laughs> so, I don't know what it is. I picked these two long series, and then someone, uh, our listeners have been bugging me to try the Honor Harrington series. Which, I'll get to that one, too. That was that was what actually started the whole conversation. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about it here? Well, let me finish off on uh, Wheel of Time. Go ahead. Uh, well, like I said, shorthand of it, I abandoned it. I believe it was around uh, A Crown of Swords. Which is what book in, in the series? Seven. Book seven. The series was originally going to be a six-book series, and I thought, okay, that's perfect. Long, gives them plenty of time to develop and get things richer. And then I started hearing rumors about it how it might turn into an eight-book series. Um, the books got progressively longer, and unfortunately, in my opinion, I think they started to get just downright ponderous. And then it ended up being 11 books, 
And that was around the time of Crown of Swords, uh, somewhere around that point, I think it was. Might have been The Path of Daggers. I might have checked that out, read that at the library. Mm. And that's when I decided, okay, I'm not going to get hooked on having to have every copy and just snag it off here, 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 when, you know, every two or three years when it comes through. I've got too much to do. There's too much other good material to read. And, of course, that's around the time I was really getting into Honor Harrington, too, by the way. Mm. So I finally decided, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to abandon it, let him finish the series, if he finishes the series, and then I'll pick it up and read it again. And then, of course, he died. Right. And then uh, Sanderson did recently finish off the book 11, which actually ended up being book 12, 13, and 14. Right. Right. And that, so is, it, and that is the end of the series, as far as I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, so. it, it, that, that, that it is. I've talked to some people who've read it, and from what I've been told, it remains incredibly ponderous as far as it's moving through. Uh, they finally do pull, start pulling some of the threads together, at least. And apparently there is a clear ending, and I just haven't decided if I'm going to read it or not. But that was my was why I was going to warn you is that it has a great start, and then it starts to slog. Hmm. Yeah, well, uh, I will uh, keep that in mind as I work my way through it. I'm working through the two series kind of simultaneously. Um, there's actually... Uh, there's actually I have a there's a secret project going on with the whole Dune thing um, that I'm working on, which is why I'm kind of reading it. So mm. I wouldn't even I had, so it was, it was actually a challenge that was laid out. So now I'll, can I return the can I return the favor? Your thoughts on Dune? Obviously, um, original Dune series the 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 original three books were just incredibly amazing. Uh, it, it, it's if you if you had a top five of best science fiction novels, Dune better be on th- that list. And the way God Emperor of Dune went so cerebral within uh, Leto's mind, it, it was I loved it. And, and I know that book took some criticism from some people, but I just loved it. Mm. And then he picked up with Heretics and Chapter House, and then I knew no, he passed away, mm. but. When Brian and Kevin Anderson started up the series again, well, I don't know. How, you, you obviously, you know, you know, because Chapter House kind of it's a cliffhanger, closed, isn't it? It's sort of a cliffhanger. Yeah, it, it yeah. closes, but there's definitely that cliffhanger ending to it. And when Brian and when his son and Anderson picked up the series again, they didn't origin initially wrap up that that book and it's like oh please you can't do this to me and from what i've heard now they have come through and they've finally finished out the series well that's that's my understanding i think what happened um i was listening to kevin and brian talk about it because at the end of one of the audiobooks they had a big discussion about it how they began working on the series again and then kind of partway through planning this out they discovered a bunch of notes in the attic that Frank had left 
Frank, because we're on a first name basis. Um, right. right. Uh, uh, but uh, Frank, um, he had left these in his attic and they said, oh, well, here's notes for expanding this world. And so um, I think that's where some of that came in. I'm going to be honest. I read the first original three books and then didn't touch Dune after that. Um, so I think, what was it? Dune, Children of Dune, Dune Messiah. Those are the first three. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So those are the only three that I've Messiah, read. Then children. What was that? I said originally was Dune Messiah, then Children of Dune. Okay. So I, um, so I, I read those only and then decided when I got back into Dune here recently to start chronologically and just work <laughs> my way through that way. Um, and the first two books really captured me. Now, I read Dune 20 years ago. So I have, re- I have a vague recollection of the story as it actually played out, except that it was a beautiful world building. Uh, it, Frank Herbert did a wonderful job building the world of Dune and uh, kind of capturing Brad. us into it. But. So it'll be interesting coming back to those books when I reread them in chron- chronological order, how they feel to me. And so... I don't know. That's those are my only thoughts. Em, have you read any of the Dune series? I I read the first book when I was a freshman in high school, and I'll tell you the truth: I really don't remember that much about it. Um, I think we had to read it for class. There was sand. Um, there was sand <laughs> and worms. Um, and worms. And worms. Yep. yep. Um, worms. but I I was very attached to the movie, and then when the lar- the director's cut of the movie came out. And I know that that's kind of sacrilege uh, to most people, and that's okay. Um, I, I I'd like to get into the books, but I don't. I must have been smarter back then because when I start, it just it's it's like Tolkien for me. It's it's like pulling teeth. Yes. I I'm gonna have to get the audiobook because I've just uh, oh, and I I just started the Tolkien series via audiobook, and it's it's a little better than trying to force my way through it. So I might have to do that with Dune because I understand the Dune audiobooks are excellent and they are unabridged. So I'm going to need a marathon to get through them. <laughs> <laughs> Dune Messiah and Children of Dune were both pretty short. But God Emperor, Heretics, Chapter House, they were, pre- they, you know, they were pretty hefty reads. Uh, how about with the series that when, when you... Uh, when it restarted that you picked up with Scott? The, um, let me see here. Uh, it is as long as the Robert Jordan books. Okay. So we're looking at, like, I'm looking at, right now I'm looking at um, Dune, the, Mach- the Machine Cru- Crusade Unabridged was about 28 hours long. Wow. And probably the same for the first one. I kind of slipped in my mind. Oh, the Butler and Jihad. So same same length. So they're pretty long. They're both very pretty long books, at least. And so I don't know if any of the others are shorter, but at least the earliest prequels are pretty long. So does it keep that Frank does it keep really keep the feel of Frank Herbert? Well, see, now you're asking me something that I really can't speak on because I haven't again read those books for in a sailing long time, and I really would have to go back to it again. That's one of the reasons I think when I hit the original Dune, you know, the core of Dune, uh, uh-huh. it'll be interesting to see if there's a huge shift in tone or feel, or if they've kind of kept that. So, my okay. understanding is that there is a difference, but okay, I you, you've put me in a position now. I don't have, I'm gonna have to reread Dune from the beginning 
<laughs> and that is a heck of a lot of bucks. I know, I know, I know. And you thought Robert Jordan was bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. All right. Well, hey, let's move into some uh, listener feedback here and uh, we can chat more about Dune in the upcoming weeks and uh, give us your thoughts. If you have read seriously the series of Dune or our Robert Jordan series, Wheel of Time, how did you feel about it? Was it ponderous to you? Um, did uh, the Dune series, have you read the prequels? What do you think of the prequels compared to the original? Um, what was it? Six, seven books that Frank Herbert were, wrote? Bro, uh, three books. No, 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 no. You're right. You're right. Uh, the original three, then six books. Six books total. So if there's a feel there that's different, just let us know because again, you know, I'm just getting in. So in a lot of ways, I feel like a Dune virgin here. So, um, <laughs> um, all right. Well, we got some listener feedback, and this actually came in from uh from Mark and. Uh, and I'm sorry, Mark. Mark actually sent this in about a month ago, and I missed it in our last feedback show, so I wanted to make sure I plugged it here. And here's what he had to, to, to write. Hi, guys. Because of, the work, because of work, I fall behind your podcast often, but just listen to your discussion of the finale of Falling Skies. I was disappointed with Tom Mason at the shooting of Karen and perhaps was a bit out of character, but this is a man who has gone through a lot of torture, physical as well as mental, emotional, and he was under the belief that Karen was responsible for his wife and child's deaths. I find it interesting that you find so much out more about the character. I'm sorry, this is a shift in Superman now. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, Raul, how do you feel about the whole um, Tom Mason and the shooting scene there? Honestly, yeah. I have not watched Falling Skies. Well, then a uh, terrible person to ask. Uh, em, did you watch Falling Skies? <laughs> not there yet. Still no, in no. Uh, season one. And I, and I didn't this year. We really need Miles on because, but Miles or Jim talked about this. They just did not like that scene I, either. So, but Superman, we did watch. You watched Superman, Raul? Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about these. And I find it interesting that you find this so much. Find, find so much more out of, uh, of a character than Superman taking Zaw's life. Oh, he's comparing take, Superman taking Zaw's life to Tom Mason taking Karen's life. Um, uh, in The Man of Steel, here's a character who's supposed to be better than us, who takes his Zod's life rather than simply turn Zod's head so it doesn't face the threatened family. Superman, who during his fight with Zod, caused the death of untold num numbers of people. I'm not buying the story that all of Metropolis was evacuated. Do you know how long that would actually take? It was more acceptable than Tom Mason killing that person he believed murdered his wife and child. I don't recall even a look of horror from Superman as the entire buildings were being demolished. Time and time again. I think you guys were a bit soft in Superman because it was his first adventure, quote unquote. Even at the end of Man of Steel, where is the anguish of the deaths of so many people? Anyway, that's just my opinion. I'd love to hear your responses, Mark. Well. M, go ahead. Why don't you start here? Tell us a little bit. What well, do you think about what he's saying? Mr. Mark. No. <laughs> um. I'll tell you, there there were moments like when um, when he's first fighting in that little town, he's he's causing all sorts of Harry Carry, but you can he's making little references to, if I'm remembering it correctly, he's little making references to just like he's looking around, he's taking uh, he, he's taking stock of what's going on, and I think the same happened in in Metropolis, but I think because of what was going on, he really couldn't stop and have that moment. You know, it's kind of, it's like he was in shock. 
and he's working through the problem and working through getting everything done. And that breakdown that he has after he cracks Zod's neck, I think it's a culmination of everything because he's seeing he's seeing the people that he that he's trying to protect and he's trying to save this dude who's the last one of his kind. So we think um, I I think it was a giant culmination because when you're in the thick of 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 a of something so stressful and shocking to you, you don't really get a chance to absorb and react to it until it's done and then you just fall apart. Uh, Raul, what what are your thoughts on what Mark's saying? On, on one hand, you know, I actually I, I have to admit when when buildings were crumbling all over the place, I, I really had I, I really had that a thought like that kind of flash through my head, and from that point, I'll have to admit that the testosterone took over and the coolness of the battle kind of won out there. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but in a in a way, it's a little bit more realistic. If you go back to the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, when he fights Zod in uh, Superman Two, uh, they're smashing the heck out of New York City, mm-hmm. and no mm-hmm. one gets hurt. So I, I think, in one respect, this is just giving a little bit more realism to what's going on in the Man of Steel. Uh, of course. Again, in uh, this movie, you really don't see people being crushed. Uh, you do see Rick Perry and the, trying to do that rescue. But as far as the taking of Zod's life, I'm I'm mixed. I, I, I'm honestly mixed about it. That th- there was a part of me that was that's not Superman's nature. He he would never take a life if there was a way to avoid it. Yeah. In that second phrase there if there was a way to avoid it yeah and i think that's key there and um so how many you can i guess maybe also take it that if how else would you zod took the battle to new york right um so is there he had to stop zod at all costs and how many more people would have been lost if he hadn't you know obviously the entire world would have been right uh would have been remade so Yes, there were a ton, there were tons of people that were killed, whether Superman's doing or Zod's doing or both, but he was just trying to stop Zod, right? Yeah, and Zod defined the terms of the bat. Right. It, it's you're either going to kill me or I'm going to kill all of them. Yeah. You know, it does does want it does it does make you wonder with Superman's inherent goodness as we kind of put him in why uh he does kind of crack at the end. Um, was it enough? Did the movie need to show it? I don't know. There's a lot of questions maybe we can have and see how it infects them maybe in the next movie uh, that may just carry in because sometimes they'll do that. You don't necessarily see the effects of it in one movie, but the next movie starts out and they're depressed drinking in a little bar in Soho or something. But, <laughs> you know, you know. so maybe that'll happen. I don't know. But. Maybe that'll be why we have an aged Batman interacting here. That's right. That's right. Um, all oh, right. Don't get me started. 
Don't get me started. Thanks a lot, Raul. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Damn, I, think we, I think you and I would be on the same page probably, though. I don't, yeah. I don't know if we've had a chance to have this rant or the guys have been avoiding it on purpose. No, no. We had it the last time that you weren't here. So Uh-huh. uh-huh. See, yep, you see. did it on purpose. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Actually, well, the main show, we're going to talk more about that here in a little bit. So. Thank you, Mark, for writing in. And uh, we also got some audio in from Rick from Wisconsin. So let me go ahead and play that. Thanks, Rick, for calling in again. And let's uh, hear what he has to say. Hello, Sci-Fi Diner. This is Rick from Wisconsin calling. And I finally got caught up and watched the finale of Continuum. Uh, My wife was not real excited with the ending. I understand cliffhangers. I'm used to it from watching Lost and some other shows. Uh, it was a good cliffhanger. It was a good ending to set up for next season. It's interesting. The uh, death of the character that I I can understand getting rid of the character, but I really liked the actor. I was kind of bummed to see him gone, but maybe he'll be back. Who knows when you've got time travel going here. Um, but I thought it was so well done. I really wish we could get season three now. I guess we were a little spoiled getting season two so close to season one and now having to wait until next season three, but hopefully it won't be too long into next year. I uh, didn't say what month, I don't think. It said 2014. So we watched the premiere of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, I really liked it. I liked the concept a lot. Um, near the beginning of the episode, I thought the uh, lady police officer arguing with her superior was just a carbon copy of what I've seen on half a dozen other shows like that. And I felt that was a little bad writing. But then later when they gave us some backstory on her, I kind of understood it better, understood the reason she was doing it. So I guess it works okay, even though it's an old formula. Um, it's almost like um, Grimm in a way. If you, if you watch the beginning of Grimm, uh, it's like the same thing with the, the Grimm and his sidekick. And I'm actually really looking forward to that show coming back on and the other shows that are coming along with the new shows like Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But uh, looking forward to all that. And then we had the season finale of Under the Dome. And I thought that was pretty good. Uh, a little bit um, unhappy with some of it. Uh, just the way Jim Rennie is uh, getting to, you know, control the town and do what he's doing. But that is, uh, it's really actually toned down in the movie, our TV show, from how he was in the book and what he's getting away with. And I thought they did set up the, the cliffhanger. Um, it was, uh, could have been better, but... Um, it is good. I, I hate that we have to wait so long to get it back and uh, hope that the writing will still be as good next year. At least they did leave us uh, the, the part where we heard uh, that radio transmission that got Doty killed, uh, knowing that the military knows Barbie is there and wants to get in touch with him. I guess it's something that we're going to see next season. So I'm actually really looking forward to that. It was reasonably well done. And uh, But I think of all the TV series that are new or coming back, I'm most looking forward to when Walking Dead returns. So uh, have a great day. 
All right. Thanks, Rick from Wisconsin for calling in and giving us your thoughts about the continuum finale, uh, Grim under the dome and looking forward to walking dead. And any of these things you're, uh, you want to chat about here? Um, well, continuum, I, I can't, I haven't been able to access the second season, but I've been itching for it ever since you guys talked about it. Um, did you watch season one? I did. I yeah. loved it. I've watched it twice. Yeah. I know um, it's on the Netflix, right? It is on the Netflix. Yeah. So yeah. Um, continuum season two blows away season one. Are you serious? Excellent. I am totally serious. Yeah. Uh, it was 13, I think, I believe 13 episodes. They, they extended it a little longer than uh, season one. And in my own just humble opinion here, only my opinion, there was not one bad episode. Even, no. even episodes that were slower development, you couldn't just write them off as filler. It, it left you, oh, my God. Did that really just happen? That they they've taken time travel and time war concept to a whole new level, and the 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 season finale. That I'm usually pretty good at seeing what's going to happen. I'm not, I'm going to be careful of what I say because I'm not going to give any spoilers out for those of you who haven't seen it yet. But it was I didn't see that coming. It, it, it just totally threw me for a loop i mean there's parts of it you'll probably guess but it it, it is a total blow away mm. it, it's going to blow your mind when you see it yeah so both of you get <laughs> i haven't i haven't watched season two either although miles watched it and loved it loved it loved it loved it loved it and i didn't watch under the dome and em i know you haven't and raul were you watching under the dome on the on the advice of one of our mutual friends, I waited until the entire uh, first season was complete. Mm -hmm. uh, Wayne, Wayne, Wayne said, oh, you, 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 you'll be starting late. You might want to go ahead and wait till everything so you can just marathon it. So that's what I'm going to be doing probably in the next month or two. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah, I started out three episodes in, so I didn't. No comment there, Rick. No comment. And Walking Dead... Um, I am not watching Walking Dead. I stopped the beginning of season three. I, am, I know you watch Walking Dead, right? Um, I'm still in season one. You're still in one. All right. So, um, and I, you know, so, and, and Raul, you're not watching Walking Dead. Is that correct? I have never been a fan of, yeah, yeah. That, that's more of the zombie apocalypse uh, genre, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what? And <laughs> some of that doesn't bother me. Like, I'm a huge Resident Evil fan. I think it's just the way, but see, that's much more of like an action zombie thriller and this is much more of a zombie drama and it's fine there's a lot more story to it there's yeah, a lot more in depth it's not is. just you know it's not whose brains get it's not brains of the week yeah yeah you know it's and that's and that's and that's true and i think that for me walking dead really it pushed the limits as far as what was being shown and there was there was just a scene at the beginning of season three that I said, yep, I just don't need that graphicness in my life. And so I, I opted that at that point, I think I bought season three and watched the first three episodes of it and didn't watch the rest. I just don't. So not saying I won't ever go back to it, but at this point, I'm, there's other shows that are trumping it. But, but Rick, I'm glad that you are uh, really looking forward to it. So 
But let's move into some feedback from Floyd from Colorado. Hi, all. Floyd from Aurora, Colorado here. Um, first off, I love the addition of M to the hosting lineup. So kudos to Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, bless. Thanks a bunch. Yep. Em, you bring in awesome, vivacious ooh, energy and our <laughs> pleasure to listen to. So, and then he says, so autumn is in a full swing here in Colorado. And now that summer movie season has ended, I want to weigh in on some of the biggies. And so he moves into Star Trek. Go ahead, Em. Star Trek Into Darkness. I did not dig it. I pretty well I'm pretty well versed in Trek uh, in its in all its TV and film iterations, but the franchise no longer resonates with me the way that it did in my younger days. Uh, I didn't dig the first Abrams Trek either. I while I found the cast chemistry and humor to be very engaging, I loved the idea of a reboot. But I was disappointed to find uh, all the main characters back in their respective chairs at the end of the movie, primarily Cadet Kirk being promoted to captain. As silly as it sounds, I can swing with the time travel and hyperlight travel, but a dude going from academic probation to starship boss based on his performance on one job was just, well, silly. Uh, a story or some stories about Ensign Kirk or Lieutenant Kirk learning some gritty, costly leadership lessons would have been bitchin'. I'm with you there. I was totally ready for a Trek that wasn't so Trek. I digress. So, Into Darkness. For me, it lacked many of the things that made the first Abrams Trek fun. Uh, other than Spock, Kirk, and Uhura, the balance of the cast had very little to do in the story, so there was little opportunity for chemistry and humor. The nods of Wrath of Khan and <coughs> TOS were cool, but not substantive or sustaining. Placing the big showdown scene after Kirk's death scene robs Kirk's death of any meaningful emotional impact. Hmm, interesting. The resurrecting Kirk robs the character of his central arc. He has to learn to be a leader. A leader has to follow and enforce the rules and let go of his or her ego and be selfless. Bringing back Kirk, bringing Kirk back to life undermines all the work the character had to do to get to the point where he was willing to place his crew and mission first by allowing the heroes to cheat death renders the hero's victory devoid of meaning or emotional juice. All in all, a glitz romp, but mired in happy crappy. <laughs> I like that last phrase. Uh, I knew too. You should yeah. put that on a t-shirt, baby. Yeah, we should. There you go. That should be our t-shirt slogan. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, that being said, I, I did enjoy watching the movie. I mean, M, come on. You saw the sucker three times. I love the movie. <laughs> but I love the movie. But there's a lot there's a lot about what he's saying that it's true. I kind of agree with. But, but I do too. Yeah. A whole lot I agree with. The movie loses something. It it is less for me it, it's been less enjoyable each time I rewatched it. And I th I think the best way of the the best description of Into Darkness that I've heard yet has come from my son. And, you know, the, this is out of the mouths of children here. Yeah. Antonio described Into Darkness. It was a really good Star Trek movie. But for a Wrath of Khan story, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> In the mouths of babes. Out of the mouths of babes. Yeah. 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 And that, that sums it up. Yeah. No, I, I think, he, I think uh, Floyd, I think he hit it pretty well there as far as what it lacks. And, um, 
didn't make it any less enjoyable for me. I only saw the movie one time, so I have yet to go back and rewatch it. Um, but when I do, maybe I'll come away with a different opinion. So definitely. Well, he also saw, Floyd also saw Man of Steel, and we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but let me just read what he has to say. I did not dig it. I love the visualization of Krypton. I love the Russell Crowe sending his son to Earth stuff. I love the Jonathan and Kyle father-son stuff, as well as the scenes with Kyle, Kyle, Kyle and his... Kyle. Uh, yeah, thank you. Kyle L. I'm, I'm looking at the L and I'm reading it as an I. I'm like, what? what, what, what? <laughs> That's too small. I should blow it up I like you did. Um, and yeah, and his adoptive mom. The movie uh, was his... What is, was at its absolute best when it was two or three people talking in the farmhouse. The scene when little Kirk says, can I just pretend I'm your son? And Coster says, you are my son. Totally Aww. made me cry. I loved all those bits. The movie lost me with the masturbatory fight scenes. <laughs> well, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> uh, holy episode one Padres, Batman. Uh, and the, I put the Batman in there, an action that ultimately undermined rather than added to the story. Dude, I'm speechless. <laughs> I know. <laughs> wow. Shall we move on? Do we need to say anything more than that? I think he probably no, sums it up pretty well. He so. summed it up. But, but, no, just... but the one thing I will have to say, I do have to say, is uh, the bit with uh, Kal-El and his adoptive parents, because Antonio, you know, is adopted, just really hit to the heart. Right. It was great mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, it was. And I thought about my daughter's adopted, too, and I'm totally... That scene, and you know, I have not seen Kevin Costner do a really good movie in a long time. But this, that role, small as it was, really fit him. It, it made the movie. Yeah, did, did. Uh, how about World War Z? M. World War Z. What was uh? I <laughs> loved the book. I like the movie a lot. Rather than an adaptation of the book, I prefer to think of the movie as a story set in the universe of World War Z. The first act is masterful, expertly paced with beautiful photographed action that is easy to follow and emotionally emotionally meaningful to the characters. Act three was a bit wonky and feels like it belongs in a different movie, but it is still very well done. All in all, really well done and thoughtful. Didn't see it. Totes agree. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, It was, it was very, it was, it was beautifully done. It was elegant and it was a, it was a, a cerebral zombie movie and no pun intended it was it was really smart and it was accessible because i went with a girlfriend of mine who has no interest in this kind of stuff but i kind of dragged her in because of brad pitt (laughs) and it just she really liked it and it was completely accessible to her i think she started watching um the walking dead because of being exposed to this Yeah, I didn't. Again, I didn't see it. Did you see World War Z, Ro? No, I didn't. Oh, that's they, right. It's a zombie thing again. The, yeah, I, you know, I would recommend it. I, 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 it's I, accessible. I do want to. I do want to see it. I heard good things about it. I also heard the ending was a bit wonky, and that was after they went back and refilmed the ending. I don't know if you remember yeah. they did that. So at least, so I would. If this ending was a bit wonky, I would hate to see what the first ending was like. You know, because they said audience the previews people that saw it. A preliminary cut of it did not like that ending. So the original ending is the one in the book, and again, it wasn't. It didn't click. It didn't sit well with everyone because it was all <laughs> to put it into masterfully words, masterfully put words. It was all a masturbatory fight scene. Oh, uh, okay. 
I am going to steal that forever, <laughs> I know. by the way. Yeah. Great. That is Thanks a lot, funny. Floyd. That's going to start being echoing in the podcast. So just so you know. Thanks, Sunshine. <laughs> yeah. Um, there goes the family rating. Yeah, there, there, there we go. <laughs> yep. they, they really kind of, they changed it around a bunch. I know some people weren't really happy. Um, I know, uh, I can't think, I know his last name is Brooks. He's Mel Brooks's son, the the author. Is it Max um, Brooks? Max. I know Max was actually involved with it, yeah. and so I understand that he he gave it his blessing. Um, but again, I I mean, Raul, I find I found it very accessible, especially since I took a non sci fi fantasy person to see it, and they enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I would recommend it if you're feeling sketchy about it. Let someone else pay for the rental. <laughs> I was, I'll, I'll I think I will have to give that one a chance. That that'll definitely be a rental. Yeah. Come on, give zombies a chance, yo. Well, one that what I am looking forward to seeing that I haven't seen yet was Wolverine. Um, and Same he says, I dug this movie. James Marigold directed 310 to Yuma a few years ago, and I think he did a great job grounding this story and giving it some juice. The actors were great. The action added to the characterization, and I dug the slightly Hong Kong feel of some of the fights without being really over the top. Wolverine hits much more than it misses. Mm-hmm. That's yep. on my list to do. Yeah, but um, you, did, you, you, you saw Wolverine, right? I I have not seen the new one. Yeah, see, see, that's... I saw the origin one, and I did not like it. Oh man, I loved it. I watched that movie twice. I liked the the, I the did origin not like one. It. it was it was it was great treadmill movie. I had just tons of action. Grew, I, I loved it. Exactly. And so I'm looking forward to seeing number two. And um, but I did. I'm gonna hear... let someone else pay for the rental. No, there you go. There you go. It, it was it was a. Uh... Don't think, don't be serious, just have fun flick. Exactly, exactly. And you need that, you need that. Uh, And how about this uh, last movie he talks about? Elysium, Elysium. I really wanted to like this movie. I like Matt Damon and Charlotte Copley, and they were great. Jodie Foster was really underutilized in the story, and I didn't get, and didn't get much to do in terms of plot or much to work with in terms of character. The resolution of the plot was a little. Ha- the resolution of the plot was a little ham-handed. Sarah McLaughlin and SPCA commercial. <laughs> <laughs> all in all, I was solidly underwhelmed. Hmm. I was. <laughs> go ahead. Em. Yeah, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you. you go ahead. No, you. you. Did okay. you ever finish the movie, Em? Yes, I did. Go see it for a second time. Okay. Yeah. And I paid. I went for a matinee, so I wouldn't have to pay as much. <laughs> Nice. And um, I, I think the ending, I agree with him handed. I, I think it was a little like, oh, crap, we only have 12 pages to come up with a, a, a good ending to this movie. Let's cram it all. I, I think it could have been a little bit better. I, I wasn't underwhelmed and I wasn't overwhelmed. I was just whelmed. I enjoy it. Just if it shows up on whelmed. TV, I'll watch it. But I'm right. not going to go out of my way and watch it again. Right, right. How about you, Roel? Did you see a listen? That, the- what what M describes is pretty much the consistent opinion that I've gotten about the movie. And as much as it costs to go to a movie the, these days, it'll make it fine as a rental or maybe even when it comes around to Amazon Prime. Hmm. Well, very good. Yep. Well, we'll see. I have not seen it. I do want to see the movie, but wasn't didn't want to see it enough to go see it in theaters. 
So Right. Same here. Yeah. Well, he wraps up the email by saying, the fact that he can't remember when the other movies I saw this summer says more about the quality of those films <laughs> than I ever could. I've heard you guys talk about One Second After and highly recommend Cormac McCarthy's book, The Road. We got to come back and talk to that. It's a beautiful story and the language is sparse and poetic. Uh, while literary critics would downplay it, it is this is a sci-fi story. And I've just reread Ender's Game in anticipation of the film and re-enjoying Stephen King's Dark Tower series. Not watching much on TV, I broke up with Cable during the last election cycle, and Battlestar was a game changer for me. All the new shows I check out via Netflix just don't grab me. Ready Player One is an awesome read. It's an absolute oh, yeah. absolute blast for anyone with a deep appreciation of the 80s pop geek culture. And the audiobook is read by yours truly and uh, M's friend, Will Wheaton. Uh, and he rocks oh, it. Friend. Right, right. And uh, and then I'll close from now. Thanks for all the work. I really appreciate it, Floyd. And we really appreciate you writing in. Uh, anything you want to comment there as far as what he talked about here at the end? Uh, Raul, why don't you start? I've got to reread Ender's Game. That's been... I, I've yeah, not read too. a lot of the Ender's series. I, I, was a, I was a Norse and Sky card fan, and for some reason I just never read a lot of the Ender's series, but I've got to reread Ender's Game before the movie. Yeah. And Ready Player One, uh, I'm not a big audiobook fan, but I, I hated Will Wheaton when he was on Next Generation. <gasps> <laughs> No, I, no, I, you're I, not the only one. Who was uh, dancing in the streets when it's he left? It's not his fault. I know it's not his fault. Let me finish. <laughs> I fell in love with him on Eureka. Oh um, my gosh, the guy was amazing. I, I he he became my favorite character in seasons four and five of Eureka. Yeah. Uh, so. Ready Player One, I'm not an audiobook fan, but I think I'm going to have to chase down that audiobook just to hear Wheaton read it. Right, right. So yeah. Ender's, Ender's Game, I haven't touched yet because there's a lot there's a lot of controversy about the writer. And I'm, I don't know if I want to support him because of some of his political positions on homosexuality and, and people. And, and, you know, you're in the entertainment business and you're going to be – that vocal and and I need to do some more research and understand him before I'm willing to plunk down any money and put money in his pocket because if he's putting money from his pocket into into anti-gay rhetoric or anti-gay groups I I don't want to support that I'm sure it's a great I'm uh, if if my investigation comes to a place where I I feel comfortable I'm looking forward to reading it and seeing the movie but if he's if he's as politically active as I'm as I'm hearing, it's it's upsetting. So I don't want to support that. You know, it's, I find it interesting with him because I I teach a creative writing class in the English class, uh, and there's a book that he wrote called Character and Viewpoint about writing character and talking about viewpoint. And one chapter, because I teach in a more conservative district, that I really had to edit down was a chapter where he actually writes from the viewpoint of a homosexual man. Which was and so when this controversy came up, I was kind of shocked because uh, this isn't kind of the way I interpreted him from mm -hmm. this book because you know he kind of explores writing from that viewpoint. And I was like, really, seriously? So I don't know if this is a media sensational thing based off of a side comment he made or what. You know, I don't know. And then just uh, Ready Player One. I know, I know, okay. I know. I talk too much. Okay. Um, Raul, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Will Wheaton. Hey. Who I, I got have, to meet. I have to clarify him. 
You're you're right. It's not Will Wheaton. It was the <laughs> character I hated and the way it was written. Oh yeah. I'm, I am going to be the first to to stand up. <laughs> He well in Ready Ready Player One is great. Uh, Ernest Klein, um, if you are not already married, I would like to marry you, sir. Um, he, I love, I love, I love this book. I it was I when I went through it, it was such a great like reprisal of my childhood. It was fantastic, and I think I got like ninety five percent of all the nerd references, which was great. But Will Wheaton just does it so much wonderful justice, and it's funny that you were saying how you liked him on um on Eureka. I got to go on a cruise in February where I met him. And there was an, uh, an opportunity to sit and chit chat with him, and he was just lovely and delightful. And he's he's so the opposite of that d bag character, but he just likes to play it because it's just so different. And it seems to be something I I, I I'm with you. I think his character on that show was just and deliciously even, annoying. Even played the character so well. You, it is so obvious he was having a blast doing it. Oh yeah. Hmm. And that's all. Shut up now. Yeah. The only other thing <laughs> I want to comment on is Cormac McCarthy's Road. I agree that a beautiful love story between father and son, but holy Hannah, I almost didn't make it through the book. All right. Because did you read the book, Raul? No. Did you, Em? Nope. So I'll just give you the premise. It's, it's a post-apocalyptic nuclear wars happen and... It's a father and son trying to survive, and it's called The Road because it's basically their story walking along the road, right? Um, but there are some things that humanity does. It's an exploration of what happens to humanity when this happens. Um, and he explores everything. And there are parts where I just almost can't read it because it's that graphic, all right? Mm. And Vigo, so Vigo Morrison's reading this. More, that, yeah, Vigo Morrison's reading this thing. Uh, <gasps> You know, so, um, yeah. but it was tough. It was Eagle a tough one. Yeah, yeah. I think he's Done. the guy that read it, but. Uh, Go on the list. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's a beautiful ending to it, but anyways, we got to move on. Um, I know, I'm sorry. Damien from Australia. Did you put the Australia in there? I didn't put that in there. I anyway. did, because I think it's my mate. Oh, yeah, so. Damien from Australia. Da- da- Damien from Australia. So this is, uh, we've been putting everyone in everybody countries. Do you want to read this, Em? Sure. I'm not going to do it in the accent because when oh, come he comes on. to visit again, he's going to punch me in the neck. <laughs> he should. Nope. Are you going to blow it up so he can actually read it? Yes, because I have the vision of, uh, of, a, of a mole rat. A mole rat. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so sorry. go ahead. This is, this is from Damien who has written before and he's... Damien. Go he's ahead. my button. Yep. I he's your him. button. <laughs> Really? He's my little button. I love him. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hey, guys, do we really need to revisit Stargate, ID4, or Jurassic Park? Question mark. Seems like (laughs) flogging a dead horse to me. But who the hell am I kidding? Of course I'll go see them. Stargate. Like you guys said, it has been a long time since its cinema release, and I uh, I can understand a reboot. However, the other two, really? ID4. Does America want to go find the aliens and start another war? Jurassic, oh, JW, which is Jurassic Park or yeah. Jurassic World. Yeah. The studios want to outshine the upcoming Walking with Dinosaurs films I read about. I read about. 
Just hope the dinosaurs are better than the ones in Terra Nova. My God, were they bad? No, they didn't bother. <laughs> I know, right? They, they didn't bother me that bad. But they were. Well, they were you know, story. We can discuss. Yeah. We'll discuss. Um, I'm looking forward to the new RoboCop. And yes, I know it's already bagged out reboots. Um, this imagining looks like it's going for a more dramatic, gritty take. The visuals look very impressive indeed, and I think the, I'm most excited about seeing the new ED209. I think that's one of the mean robots. The trailer I saw for Divergence, I saw the trailer for Divergence and I agree. I think it was miles on how it just reminded me of The Hunger Games, another film I'm looking forward to. Have caught up with Justice League Flashpoint Paradox, which I quite enjoyed. Uh, And steadily watched Beware the Batman and the New Avengers Assemble animated series. Although they're animated, the ongoing storylines aren't dumbed down too much for small kids. Very similar to the Green Lantern's animated series and the Justice and Young Justice were. <clears throat> if you get a chance to watch them, I highly suggest them. Uh, heard about a new heard about the new Gotham series they're doing? Meh. They'd have to convince me to watch it. Uh, Gotham with no Batman. If that's the case, the criminals can't be too over the top either. It just seems like they're jumping on the Arrow bandwagon, basing them all in reality. We'll see. Thanks, folks, and keep up the great work. Mm. Yes, Damien, I, I embellished that a bit for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Yeah, but no accent. <laughs> no accent. No, it would be bad. Yeah, well, let's, let's start in reverse here. This new Gotham series without Batman. How, how, how are they going to do this and make it and pull it off? They're not. Well, we they, say we say that but, that, but I think that they can if they do it right. It would have to be, it would have to be very centralized on the GCPD because there were some rich B and C level characters in the comics for GCPD for the Gotham City Police Department. Um, that would be very cool. Um, I think they could hint at the Batman, or maybe this is a lull between Batmans, like it's a lull between Batman and Nightwing. You know, this is how they're kind of cleaning up after Batman disappears. Right. Of a bridge series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, they, they might be able to bring in some, so no Batman, but there were other superheroes running around in that universe too. So I don't, I don't know if they can bring any of those in at all, but... I don't know. What do you think about some of the other things that he brought up? RoboCop, um, ID4, Stargate, Jurassic World. Totally agree. Divergence. Reboots already. (laughs) You know, really the only successful reboot, in my opinion, has been BSG. Uh, Star Trek held some possibility for me, but then Into Darkness came out, and I've already given my opinion on that. But, yeah, why do we need a new RoboCop? Why do we need... uh, why, why do we need another Jurassic Park? I mean, it's a good question. Yeah. I want to see something original. Give me something new to stretch my mind on, to chew on. Don't give me the same old or a rehash. Gee, let's think about this in a different... Give, give me something that's a real challenge. Give me real creativity. Yeah. I agree with him, though, that you know people are going to put this out. and I agree, Raul. I, I want to see something fresh, but... If they put out a reboot and it looks good in the trailers, I'll probably see it, you know, because there is something, I think maybe there's something a little bit nostalgic that calls us back to these 
original movies. We either loved them when they first came out or we they're a part of our childhood. And so to see them done in a with the action updated and the pacing a little bit quicker with the explosions looking a little bit more magnificent. Better sound effects, right. better I, there's effects some, there's something that There's something that just appeals to my senses. And so while I agree with you in paper that, come on, let, let's think, let's have some original ideas. Let's do something fresh, something that draws us in. At the same time, um, especially the Stargate uh, reboot or the RoboCop reboot, the, I'm probably in. Uh, that's just where I'm at. I think I'm in for that. that I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, maybe not on the Stargate, but I, at some point, if at the very least on a rental, they'll probably pull me in on the, Rogo, on the RoboCop. Here, here's my challenge to, to you, Scott. Watch Into Darkness and then watch Wrath of Khan back to back. All right. All right. It, you, you might be, you, you'll get the idea. I don't know. Wrath of Khan has a campiness to it, though. I, it's it's the same story, but I, they're they're just they're delivered. I think very differently. Absolutely, it had absolutely. There's a bit of campiness, but the original series itself, mm-hmm. even though it dealt with very serious, you know, the, the way it dealt with things like racism, women's rights, and just serious social issues, there was still a definite campiness to it. And I, I'm sorry, the the battle in Wrath of Khan is still one of the best science fiction space battles I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was Just good. the Enterprise rising up from behind. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Well, Damien, thank you so much for uh, writing in and uh, sharing your thoughts on reboots and uh, some of what you're uh, watching and and looking forward to and maybe not looking forward to. Um we do have one more piece of audio from Rick from Wisconsin, but Rick, I think we're going to hold off and put that into the next show since we already played one. Let's tell you about some of the new TV shows that are out, and we'll just kind of run down through them as they're listed here. And so Once Upon a Time Returned, I'm not watching this show. Are you watching the show, Em? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So did you see the, uh, the I guess, the I premiere? Did. I saw the premiere. And what did you think of it? I'm a little whelmed. I want to know. I, <laughs> You're a little whelmed. Got it. I'm a little whelmed. I'm not over or under. I'm just kind of whelmed. Um, they, so they're, they're in Neverland. And I, I want to know where, where they're going. I'm, I'm going to give them like a couple of episodes to really tell me the story because I don't feel like I got it all. Um, and we meet Pan and, and, you know, Emma's angry shocker. Um, <laughs> cause that never happens. Just downright creepy. It's just, it's, it's a, it was an interesting episode and it got, I'm intrigued to watch the next few episodes. If they don't deliver, um, I'll just wait until they're all available and consume them all over the summer or during a snowstorm. How about you, Roel? Well, I'm. Th- this might come as a shock to you, but I'm somewhat in M's position here. Ooh. Season one was amazing. I really like season two. Uh, the that that line the, the the line of "Let me die as Regina." I mean, just the de- the character development itself. Mm-hmm. But season two did have the pro- they had so many balls in the air, 
And there have just been so many dropped storylines throughout the series. Yep. That it it's ca- it's causing me it's causing me to be a little cautious this year, especially with the glut of fantastic uh, sci-fi and genre shows that are coming out this year. Pan's entrance, yeah, that that looked really good. Someone who's actually on par as far as powers with the Dark One, or that, that even Rumpelstiltskin says he wouldn't survive. Okay, I guess Simma decided she's gonna take over uh, the leadership of the thing. Uh, th- th- there were a few points that really kind of had me scratching my head. Um, let me ask this for sport. I-, I don't know how spoilery I can get here. Oh, this is a listener feedback show. We're expecting people uh, to have watched it. But... <laughs> okay. And if they no, didn't, that... they can skip ahead here. So we gave in them warning. Case, in that case, uh, why in the heck did Emma dive off the yardarm into the sea? It, oh, to it, get them all to stop fighting so that the, it would quell the sea because the sea, everything was feeding off I, of their anger and their fighting. And yeah, that was I, convincing. I, I, I get it. But the just the whole way that it came about, it's like that that was it, it, it just seemed like a weaker moment. Um, I did. I did kind of like uh, how they dealt with uh, Greg and Tamara. Mm. Yes, they deserved it. They deserved it. In fact, Tamara got it twice, and that part I, I that was one of the few cases where I didn't, uh, I, I didn't have too many qualms about how uh, Mr. Gold dealt with things. Yeah. Right. So it's like it's you, okay, and I, I'm not surprised that there weren't many messages. Like, not a lot of people commented on it. Yeah, what I, Neil had to say. Good start to the season. A lot of different threads at work. We now know the reason why Peter Pan wanted Henry, but I think there must be more. And Jennet said, "Yep, me too. Love the episode. There's got to be more as to why all the characters seem to be why they are all evil." But I don't know. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of potential. Yeah, Ariel was was a big giant be. bee. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, well, let's move on to a uh, big bang theory here. Uh, Raul, my understanding is you do not watch a show. I have tried. I promise you, I have tried. <laughs> I it's should, okay. By, by all standards, I should love the show. Right. I, I, I think it just in some ways, you know, it's one of those shows that just hits too close to home. It, it hits too close to my real world. Right. Well, you know, for me, as as you know, listening to this podcast, I have not delved into the big bang uh, theory world, despite the chagrin of Miles and M. But, but M, you, M, you did watch us. Is that right? Yeah, I saw the first two episodes. Um, they are hilarious. They were very funny. Um, I didn't completely lose it. Like there have been some episodes where I was crying, but this was really good. It was a nice little taste back into into the show, and I do understand why some people don't dig it. The first two seasons were great, but, but now it's very relationshipy, and I'm not a big shipper. Uh, but there's enough humor and there's enough uh, just bizarreness that it makes it not as shippery, so I can watch it. Uh, a lot of the folks liked it too. I mean, Leslie oh, Meany yeah. she wrote that it was terrific. So nice to have new episodes to watch. I think I can recite the rest of them by heart. Nice, nice. And Lee Kemp, he laughed, he laughed as you know what off. Uh, great start to a new season. 
Yeah, and Jen loved it, and uh, Miles wrote and said, my wife and I laughed it, and Miles, who's part of the show but not here tonight, uh, my wife and I laughed throughout both episodes. It was great to have the band back together. Here's hoping this is a sign that the rest of the season will be great. Lee, by the way, also wrote in and said, Big Bang Theory just keeps getting bigger. Thursday's season seven premiere was the highest rated premiere ever, bringing in 18.9 million viewers. So that was pretty good. Pretty good for a, a series in its seventh season. So, all right. Well, let's move into the Revolution premiere, a show that I watched part of the very first season and didn't watch it after that. Uh, any of you guys watching Revolution? Snore. I did exactly. You did. Snore. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Lee. Snorable. Yep. Yeah, uh, Jen liked it. Lee liked it, sort of, but uh, we only had a few comments on that. Uh, okay, now let's talk about the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pilot. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know, this was the pilot that I think that I was almost most anticipating, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. How did this pan out for you guys? Uh, and let's start with you. I got the um, I got the characterizations I was hoping for. I got the dialogue I was hoping for. Definitely got the dialogues I was hoping for. Um, the story... There was a little bit of a, I had a little bit of a, a, like, I didn't love it. I liked it a bunch, but it wasn't, I, what, I have to say though, my expectations were very high. I was expecting like Avengers 2.0, you know, that kind of level, but it, I, I've kind of talked myself down and realizing, okay, this is a serialized show. It needs to do 20 plus episodes. It's not all going to be Avengers. So I, it was what I expected. I was very pleased. Yeah. How about free roll? I, I I was gonna say I think I think M's partly onto exactly Agents of Shield had all kinds of tie-ins back into the into the Marvel Universe series, the <laughs> movies. And they were great. All the tips of the hat were wonderful. But in this first episode, the thing that they made clear is you've got to take this show on its own for itself. Mm. Yeah. And in in a way, there's a big risk, that I think, that they're taking there because you've, you, on the one hand, you've got to take that show for itself, but on the other hand, I have a feeling if you hadn't, if you hadn't seen all the Marvel Universe movies, you might have been a little lost. So a little the, bit, the, I agree. Probably not enough to miss, you know, probably not enough to enjoy it, but definitely there'd be pieces that you would be missing and you'd probably be aware that I'm missing something here. Mm. It has got an incredible amount of potential. It's all a matter of what they're going to do with it. And like him said, I wasn't sure if it was really going to be heavily serialized or if it was going to be more episodic. And it was real clear from this first one, this is going to be a story, capital A, capital S. Yeah. My favorite quote was when the girl grabbed um, the dude and said, with great power comes a ton of weird crap you're not prepared to deal with. Yeah, that <laughs> was, was a good quote. When she, when I she started the, the sentence, I was like, oh, okay, yes. All right, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. I'm totally in. And yeah. it looks I like our listeners love. are also totally in. Jen M, Lee Kemp, 
They're all like they're all on board. I want to talk Although about Although Mike Crate said that it was yeah. okay. Yeah, let's talk about what he said. He said it's okay. Remove the Avengers icing and it was no better than let's say early alphas, no ordinary family, or even the cape. Production was <gasps> solid, but not the wow I was hoping for. Maybe a show that should have been embraced by cable or a premium broadcaster. It's a little bit I harsher. Um, no, that's harsh. Yeah. The cape was crap. Uh, it, was it, it had absolute potential. Absolute fodder. And no ordinary family was a delusional pile of fodder. So, but Alpha's was good. Yeah, it, I, it's, I'm sorry. <laughs> they're setting up. They're setting up. They're setting up a uh, series. They're, they're setting up a story, a big story, mm-hmm. and you you can't pass you can't pass judgment. I don't think, at least immediately, on right. first episode on this first episode of a show like Shield, whether it's positive or negative, I don't think right. uh, you want to try and make too much of a judgment. Right. I do wonder if we're going to see some of the uh, some of the Marvel uh, movie characters popping in and out. You know, let's say. If Month or two before, th- or a few weeks before Thor makes his theater theater debut. Maybe, maybe we'll see some of the others. Uh, see some of them show up on the series just as a side promo. I think yeah. that'd be cool. That would be. I think that would be cool too. I agree. Uh, what other show do we have to talk about? That we have Sleepy Hollow. Let's talk about Sleepy Hollow. We got to get Sleepy Hollow. Yep. So uh, I think that's the last one we have to talk about. Uh, Raul, why don't you it's start? What, what, are you, what, are your, what are your thoughts? On Sleepy Hollow? My thoughts on Sleepy Hollow was before I saw it, I was thinking, oh, gosh, another one of these things. This is going to be a total waste of time. I, was, I, I couldn't have been much more wrong. The, the best way to describe Sleepy Hollow is Fringe meets National Treasure. I thought it was, at least based on the first two episodes so far, I thought it was an awesome show. You you can definitely see sort of the fringiness to it, though it tends to be more of uh, the was well, more. I guess it's a nice. What's nice is it's more of a pre-apocalypse rather than post-apocalyptic. Literally, the apocalypse um, out of Revelation. So it, it's. You know, it's a little more fantasy, horror-type based than the hard science based, but I, I, I really enjoyed the show, and I really am looking forward to seeing what they do with it uh, from here. Yeah. Uh, M, how about you? I am intrigued. It's very interesting. Um, the character of Ichabod Crane, uh, Crane, I, he's, he's such a pompous little painting and you know what? Um, but, but there's a story there. There's a story coming. Yeah. Um, the whole sister storyline is a little, I want to see where they're going. I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm going to give it, you know, a couple more episodes and see how I feel. Yeah. I like the Sarah Connor moment with, uh, her sister, with Abby's sister. Mm. Oh yeah. With the pushups. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was kind of yeah. <laughs> that was a little bit obvious. Yeah, I you know I do like the the first. I only watched the first episode, but I do like the kind of the man out of time motif that they're kind of playing with here. I found myself just struggling a little bit to believe in a universe where people don't know about Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman. You know, um, now I realize it's 
the fantasy world, and it, obviously for this, it needs to exist that way. But you know, they're doing the lie detector test. He's asking them serious questions. And I had a little bit of problem with that, but you know, it was a good episode. Um, I may change my mind a couple episodes in, depending on what listeners continue to say about it. But it did not. It did not. It's not. It's just a show I'm not making time for. I know it's not because it's bad. I'm just not making time for it right now. So. Only so many hours in a day. Now remember, Kurtzman and Orky. No, I know. I know. You, you're preaching to the choir. I saw that. And said, <gasps> but you know, it just didn't. I'm. It's not. Not at this point. So. But I believe that's all, man. We uh, ran a little bit long tonight, but. Um, I believe that's it. Anything else that we need to cover here? M, I, you had something you wanted to mention about this little zombie uh, Indiegogo campaign. Do you want to talk a little bit about that before we go? Oh, my gosh. I can't tell you enough about it. So my friend, Michael Doherty, who is part of Big Damn Films and a whole bunch of other amazing people, uh, a while ago made a movie called Brown Coats Redemption. So they made a bunch of awesome to raise money for more awesome, to do awesome things for charities. And uh, with Browncoats, they raised over 110000 Um, Michael could tell you more. But uh, last night at midnight, dun-dun-dun, was the launch of the Indiegogo campaign for Zekon. If you take um, four teenagers trapped in a comic book convention and a zombie outbreak happens, you know, what could go wrong? That's kind of what's happening. So you take Goonies, you put it in a pot, and you stir in Shaun of the Dead and put it at a sci-fi con. Boom! It's amazing. And we'll put the link up. I've already put it up on our Facebook page, and we'll put it up on the website. So they're, we're get, with the Indiegogo campaign, they're looking for backers to get the money to put the film together. You can watch a, a little um, proof of concept on there, which is hilarious. And if you back this... By, I'm going to say, October the 6th, if you're a, one of the $30 backers or more, I, M. Ciro Garcia, will record for you your outgoing voicemail message in almost any accent you want, if I can do it, or I will learn it. Um, and I will say almost anything you want. And that's my little, like, some people have asked me to do it. And I thought, well, you know, but for this, I would, I definitely lend my voice to this a thousand percent. I love the guys. I, I, I love, I love Mike. I love what he's doing. I think it's, he is making awesome and he is looking for people to help him make awesome. So why not be awesome together? Yeah, I like Mike. We've known Mike for years, just in, followed him in the production of the Brown Coops Redemption. And so this has been a concept he's been working on for at least two years. And I'm excited to see it at least, you know, where it's at as far as how far it's come. So absolutely go ahead and support this campaign. Well, we do got to get out of the move out of the show here. So let's go ahead and wrap up. Raul, are you doing anything that you can plug here? Oh, I'm. After this summer with my father's illness and passing and getting things back online, I've been a little slower than usual getting stuff posted over at The Christian Geek, but it's going to be happening again. So definitely www.thechristiangeek.net and keep an eye for new things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on the spur of the moment and listener uh, feedback show. Hopefully we didn't take too much out of your evening. Oh, not at all. So, it was a blast. Yeah. Anytime. Yep. And uh, thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, where's Miles to take us out of the show? I feel so lost now, Em. 
Um, hold on, let me see if I can do it. Good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Do your dailies. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343. Or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com. Or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash sci-fi diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com. <laughs>